Genius Brain listeners, this podcast is brought to you by Hero Bread. Listen, I've talked about Hero Bread a million times over, and I'm telling you right now, they have some of the best guilt-free bread I've ever had in my life, and I'm not just saying that. I'm talking about taste and texture-wise. You just can't beat it. Hero Bread has zero to one grams of net carbs, zero gram sugar, and is high in fiber. And guess what? Now it's made with heart-healthy olive oil for an added boost of healthy fats as well. I'm telling you right now, I made a BLT with this, and it was freaking delicious. If If I eat bread, this is the bread that I'm eating. You guys have to get this. I'm not just saying it's so freaking good you could do whatever you want with this type of i mean they even have burger breads right so if you want to make a a fire ass burger they got like tortillas too for their if you if you eat breakfast burritos as much as i do dude money it's so freaking good it's hard to say which one my favorite stuff is just because like if i'm gonna make a wrap or i'm gonna do any type of sandwich of any sort i'm gonna use hero bread because i get to eat without all the guilt and it's literally my favorite So genius brain listeners, do not miss out on this. Make sure you get Hero Bread. You will not regret it. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order for their new recipe. Go to hero.co and use code genius10 at checkout. That's G-E-N-I-U-S-1-0 at hero.co. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no 
minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. I don't know, five years? They wanted 18 years. What the fuck? I kind of skipped the story. So, so basically the guy got arrested because drugs were sent to my condo under my fighter name, Jackie Chan. Oh my. So this motherfucker, <clears throat> dude. So I arrived to the condo and they were asking me questions like, did you order a package? I'm like, no. Did you order a package under Jackie Chan? I'm like, no. They're like, are you in five, four, three? Let me see if that's working. Yep. That's working. That's working. Two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. We have a long time coming guest. Not really because I just asked him yesterday. <laughs> But we have Jeff Chan from MMA Shredded here. Fucking crazy. He beat my ass yesterday. <laughs> it was one of the worst experiences of my life. No, it was actually really fun. Um, we were training yesterday and uh, it's weird because like when I watch your videos and then I see you move, you you kind of spar people based on their skill level, which is very nice. <laughs> you know? And I appreciate it. Look, I have no bruises on my face. It's great. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing very well. Thank you for finally having me. Um, I've actually, I've been a huge fan of David for a very, very long time. I should be talking to you or talking to the camera. I'm talking I'm to you. Okay. <laughs> I've been a huge fan. Obviously, I already told you that when I first met you. I'm only in LA for two days and made sure it was priority to come, come see what's you up. You know, it's so fucking funny. Like, I think when we have, it's always weird meeting somebody that I've watched online, right? Because I've seen your videos since like you first started because I've always enjoyed watching MMA and learning things, even though I couldn't do any of it. <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't do any of it, but I'm like, just in case. You're somebody- actually really good for only a year's training. You guys will be able to, I mean, I'm sure everyone will be able to watch your sparring video. I'll be posting it soon. It's the funny thing. It's like, I'm so critical of myself. It's like, how come I don't look like a UFC fighter, dude? <laughs> like, I always get super upset. But the interesting thing is like, like for me, you know, it was like a year of just hardcore training. And then after a while, I was just, we just started, you know, training lightly here and there. And then pandemic happened. So it was like, year of just trying to study this really hard, a year just fun, and then two years hiatus, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm I'm very lucky that my gym never closed down. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So, yeah, man. Um, I mean, your journey, especially as like a, as a fighter, has been interesting to watch, right? Just because you were the guy that was teaching everybody everything. And then you also fought, did you fight in uh, LFA? I did not. What were you fighting before? Um, I fought for a rec MMA. I fought for this small organization called Belleville mm. MMA. Uh, oh, and BTC. Yes, yes, yes. And it was interesting because it's it's always fun for me to watch somebody teach their stuff and then see it in action, right? Because sometimes when you see people do pad work, you know, a lot of it's like flow work. Like you're not going to see somebody unloading a 13 hit combo on somebody, right? But then for your stuff, it was very, I think I enjoyed it because it was applicable because mm-hmm. you would show the 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 modality and then you would show it in sparring and you would show its successes and how it would fail. And I think for for people who don't know fighting, it's it's kind of nice to see because I think when you just show that one piece, it makes you feel as if you could just do it off the jump. But it doesn't work that way, you know? Also, it shows that you got to fail a thousand times before you can do it successfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and <clears throat> there's something that I was telling you yesterday when we were training is that there's three types of guys you got to train with. Someone better than you obviously to challenge you mm-hmm. and that that's that that's not all the time but someone better than you mm-hmm. uh someone at your level to keep the instincts sharp and to maintain that sharpness and then someone worse than you so that you can build that confidence when you're learning new techniques so i'll spar with good guys 
better than me to challenge myself, someone that are my level when I'm in fight camp, and then people worse than me actually when I'm trying a new technique. So say I learn a new head movement technique. I'm not going to try it on someone better than me. I'm mm-hmm. going to get my head knocked out. I got to try on someone who's worse than me, then slowly build it up against someone my level and then someone better and so on. That's so funny. What if like the person's hearing this like, wait, was I the person that was worse than you? <laughs> the guy's like, yo, fuck this guy. <laughs> I, I, I will, I, you know, sometimes I will also try it on better guys. And mm-hmm. usually that's like at the fail, failed attempts. You, you, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, those things are interesting because it's like, and we were talking about this before too, where, you know, when I first started doing this stuff, like I remember there's, it's, it's hard to kind of um, be conscious of the transition from where you become a flinchy person to the person where you're a little more comfortable. Because mm-hmm. when somebody asks, they go, oh, how did you stop flinching? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I think eventually you just accept your fate. I think it's, uh, <laughs> they, they call it the blink eye and, and as more punches are thrown at you, it kind of goes away. It's also from a lot of drilling. Like a mm. lot of people don't do enough technical drilling and they go straight to sparring. Like you'll always get guys who come to the gym first class. Hey, I want to, I want to spar. I, I kind of do that too. Cause I, I, I jump, I, I gym hop and I, I want to do the sparring to film content, but say you're brand new, never trained before you get guys coming into the gym. Hey, I, I don't want to do technique. I want to spar. That, that's the problem. I'm the opposite. I, I love drilling. Sparring is kind of like, uh, we'll see. You well, know? you know what? Again, I'm not kissing ass, but that's why you're so good. When I saw you on the puzzle, I was like, man, you're very good for a year. Um, and, and additional to that, you, um, you can actually spar. Like I, I was expecting, okay, this guy can hit pads. Let's see how he moves. <laughs> but you actually move very well. Thanks, Thanks man. I appreciate it, dude. It's like my, my, my goal too is, was always just to be like, if I walk into a gym, I can at least give somebody type of work. I just don't, you know, I don't know if it's like a Korean thing where it's like, I know, bitch, <laughs> you know, because I've seen that too, where I've seen people look so good on pads. I'm talking like technically brilliant. Yep. And then you see them spar and they're, you know, they like, flinch, they flinch. Yeah. I'm like, what's the point of this? So you train for self-defense and just to protect yourself and to be your best version and, and, that that's a great mindset and it's similar to what I have too. Uh, just because I've competed or, or I do this for a living, uh, I don't think of myself as the best. I don't believe I'm even capable of being the best. There's always people who are better than you mm. with uh, better genetics, just naturally gifted, or they have better resources or they start earlier or they're just younger. Um, so with that said, you, you shouldn't be competing against other people. You should be competing against yourself and you should be trying to get to a point where you can defend yourself against the average person. And that should be enough. Yeah. Right. And it should be just, it should be for fun. I think that's the part that's really cool. It's just, you know, just that one little tidbit that you said. Um, and something I like to always reiterate is that competition with yourself is way more important than competing with others because that's endless. You know, yeah. when you compete with yourself, it's just about getting better a little bit by a little bit, you know, and nothing ever comes overnight. And, you know, a lot of us, like we see this success story at the end, but we never get to see the journey that takes that that it takes, right? So sure. that's why even for me, like if somebody ta- asked me, "Hey, can you teach me how to jab?" I'd be like, "I don't think I can," <laughs> you know, because I don't remember. You know, I just remember being bad at it, mm-hmm. and then one day it made sense. Yes, and I think that's the difference between you know some people who are fighters and some people who are really good coaches. It's like being able to technically break down why you're either fucking up or doing it right is the hard part because like. You know, I had people come in and like, oh, I want to learn how to jab. I'm like, you asking the wrong person, bro. <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't know how to teach you. Yeah. Like, I know how somebody taught me. But when you mess up, I don't know mechanically how to fix your shit. Because one day it just clicked for me. And I don't understand the process. It Yeah, it takes takes a while. And one of the most common questions I get asked is, um, I got a really bad sparring session. I got my ass kicked. 
how do I, how, how do I deal with that? And I'm like, bro, I get my ass kicked every day. I just got my ass kicked yesterday by Ron Skolding. Like, he, <laughs> I love that shit. Teed <laughs> off of me. Um, I mean, I, I wish I had the cardio to give him a, a harder round, but he teed off me. Uh, as embarrassing as it is, you'll 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 see the content. <laughs> but yeah, if you guys don't know who Ron is, so you know, if you guys see me on like barbell stuff or Bart stuff, Ron was uh, Bart's uh, Muay Thai coach, and Ron is such a awkward style southpaw. And he's just an aggressive dude, right? And you you would never notice from how Ron is as a human being. I've been warned by <laughs> David. Um, who else warned me? Another guy at the gym, Pro Fighter, warned me like, hey, man, Ron, uh, he, he goes he goes hard. I'm like, no, you're, you're kidding me. I, I thought he was just trolling and intimidating me. He's like, no, man, he goes hard. He gave me a concussion. I'm like, no. <laughs> he's like, believe me, bro. Talk about karaoke, and then, Ron. Um, and then it's funny because so when I went into the gym, uh, I was speaking to the coach and the coach was telling me like, yeah, these guys go hard. Like, can you tell me your honest assessment of, of your skill level? And I'm like, I think I'm okay. So I was very intimidated. He's like, I'm just looking out for your health. We got a, we got a guy here who's like number one contender, number five contender. I'm like, I'm going to do my best. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't want to be like, hey, I'm a pro fighter. Um, so with that said, I, he put me with two UFC fighters. Um, and right from the beginning, I, I did well. And I was like, okay, you know, I, I can't handle myself. And prior to sparring, Ron was telling me like, these guys go, these guys go hard. Um, but you know, I can go, I can go light with you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever Ron's version of light is. <laughs> so, so, so the first three rounds, I go with a UFC bantamweight, Louis, and then two rounds with Alex Perez. So the sixth round, so this is like the, the 30 minute mark now. Uh, I'm like, okay, last round. This is the last round. So we did six rounds in total. Last round, I go with Ron, take it easy, touch gloves, fucking teed off of me. <laughs> I'm like, thought we're gonna go light. <laughs> That's Ron's light, dude. He's like, how'd you like my light? And you just room? wouldn't expect it because he's such a nice guy, all smiles. Yeah, and he just like you know we were talking about it earlier. He has this weird like faint stutter step too that his rhythm is weird. So it's like he doesn't really have this. Um, I feel like when you see a lot of fighters, they feel you out. You see them just you know they'll bounce step, they'll move around. <laughs> Ron's he's, yeah, he's like a fucking redwood. He's planted and he's just right and there. And he gets in your face. Yeah. He gets in your face and just throws. Yeah. And he has no fear of, like, I remember just back in the day, just throwing a jab at his face. He has no fear of the jab. He'll eat one and give you 17. So he's, a, like, he's, a, he's a real fighter. Yeah. yeah. You know, what I was talking about earlier is like your, your, your journey to become a fighter. And I'm not sure if you ever talked about it on your stuff, but kind of like how you got into fighting because you were talking to me earlier, like, you know, fighting's not even your everything. Right. Like, you you know, I, I think it's really weird for sometimes, you know, people in my position to hear it's like, oh, when I fight, you know, I'm scared. I'm like, you, you fucking mean, man. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm scared as hell, too. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny. I talk to a lot of pro fighters now who do it for a living. That, Like for me, again, I'm not a fighter. I'm, I'm a martial artist who had the opportunity to fight and I fight when there's an opportunity. There are guys who fight. That's all they want to do. They fight. And I asked them, hey, do you like fighting? And they're like, what? No. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so That's it's crazy. not just, it's not just, it's not just me, you know? Like, I love the training. I love sparring. I love hard sparring too. Uh, not yesterday, but I, I love the hard <laughs> sparring, but I don't like fighting. And the nerves that come from fighting and the cutting weight and it sucks. Yeah. I mean, I, it's just, even just doing regular performances is nerve wracking, but doing that with lights, with people screaming, at yeah. you to kill somebody yeah it's some gladiator shit you know yeah for so sure have you has the nerves ever gotten better um i find i think there's two types of people one person <clears throat> one type they 
the nerves get them too much energy and they kind of gas out. For me, I get tired. The nerves zaps my energy. I've had 25 to 30 fights in total, like pros and amateurs. Every fight, I'm telling you, I gassed out. And not, not gassed out. I was tired in the first round as I touched the glove. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. And, and it's like, <coughs> you know, when you warm up for a fight. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> well, like, that's the thing. When you warm up for a fight, I'm sleepy. I'm lazy. I don't want to fight anymore. I'm I'm super excited up until I get into the change rooms, and then I'm like, okay, it, it all starts happening. To and then yeah, and it just, it just happens, and and then I'm tired, and, I'm, and I get sleepy, and then I'm forced to do a, a warm up, and then when I'm doing the warm, I'm like, oh, I don't have energy, and then I get in the fight, and and basically instincts take over. But but I'm tired. I'm yeah, fighting. Yeah, yeah. Tired. It's like I'm fighting in the fifth round already. And, and that's why I don't like fighting. I perform well, decent, you know, but um, that's why I don't like fighting. But sparring is a whole nether game. It's mm-hmm. so fun. I have my energy. Uh, I have my cardio that I actually train for. Whereas I train for, for a fight, my cardio is good. I can do five rounds, five minutes, easy. I get into a fight, first round, I'm tired. <laughs> that's crazy. It's, is it the anxiety or what, what it's is just, it? It's just nerves. It's just nerves and, and fighters actually see therapy for it, apparently. I've never really given it a shot, but... So where they could just mentally kind of tune that part out and feel as good as they do in the sparring room. Apparently. That's crazy. Cause yeah. like, I, cause I would never know that because I watched your, your fight at one FC and you did well, you fucking beat that. I was tired that, though. I was tired. Which is nuts. Cause yeah, I don't actually, see it. It's funny because if you watch my, not my interview, but just when they put my hand up, uh, I had some people come and be like, bro, you look fucking tired. <laughs> You're breathing really heavy. I'm like, I was. Yeah, I was like, dude, I was so nervous. Yeah. Was, that wasn't in front of a huge crowd either, huh? It was a no crowd. Oh my God. Yeah. So it actually acted as my advantage. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm used to filming my sparring. Yeah. I film all my sparring, but there weren't anybody around, which is, which is great. Do you feel that a lot of champions, like they're very good at tuning that stuff out? Because, you know. I think you, so. Well, well there's, yeah. there's two types of people, right? Like I said, there's people like me who don't like fighting, but love training. Again, I'm a martial artist, not a fighter. And there are guys who love fighting. They eat, they breathe fighting. They take fights on short notice and they just want to fight. They don't care if they lose. They just want to fight and they love being in there. That's not you. <laughs> no, that's not me. And, and there, there's, there's, there's martial artists who are very technical um, and fight. And there's guys who are not so technical, but they have that grit and they win and they're successful that's in that way. It's kind of like, like Hamzat, right? He, yeah. he looks like he can't wait to be in that fucking yes. cage. And when he talks, I'm just like, are you a fucking super villain? Bro? And he's also technically good as yeah. well. But there are fighters, <clears throat> I'm not going to name names, but there's fighters out there in the UFC who are not very technically good, but they can take shots and they'll land one big shot. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was somebody like Mike Perry. Like Mike Perry was somebody who was a, he's a brawler, you know, yeah. and he's physically very fucking strong. Like I saw a video of him. Uh, deadlifting and he was pulling like four plates on each side with the worst form ever. I'm talking yeah. about it looked like his yeah. back was going to snap mm-hmm. and he lifted it and like it was perfectly fine. And he's one of those guys too that when I looked at it, I'm like, you're going to have to kill this guy in this cage or you just have to be a lot more technically sound. And that fucks with you mentally <laughs> yeah. because if you know that the guy will just keep like Ron's goals that like, I mean, we were sparring, so it's different. I'm not trying to go hard. I wasn't going hard at all, but I, I knew that he was feeling fresh and he had cardio for days or felt like he was. Mm-hmm. And he just kept walking me down. And then because me mentally, I know I'm super tired and he's just in my face, in my face. What did I say never to do? Shell up. Yeah. I was telling him yesterday, never shell up. Um, because I was tired. I knew I was tired. I knew he was fresh. 
I shelled up. He just teed off of me. And then, and then he, he beat me mentally in that round. Genius Brain listeners, this podcast is brought to you by Hero Bread. Listen, I've talked about Hero Bread a million times over, and I'm telling you right now, they have some of the best guilt-free bread I've ever had in my life, and I'm not just saying that. I'm talking about taste and texture-wise. You just can't beat it. Hero Bread has zero to one grams of net carbs, zero gram sugar, and is high in fiber. And guess what? Now it's made with heart-healthy olive oil for an added boost of healthy fats as well. I'm telling you right now, I made a BLT with this, and it was freaking delicious. If I if I eat bread, this is the bread that I'm eating. You guys have to get this. I'm not just saying it's so freaking good you could do whatever you want with this type of i mean they even have burger breads right so if you want to make a a fire ass burger they got like tortillas too for their if you if you eat breakfast burritos as much as i do dude money it's so freaking good it's hard to say which one my favorite stuff is just because like if i'm gonna make a wrap or i'm gonna do any type of sandwich of any sort i'm gonna use hero bread because i get to eat without all the guilt and it's literally my favorite so genius brain listeners, do not miss out on this. Make sure you get Hero Bread. You will not regret it. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order for their new recipe. Go to hero.co and use code genius10 at checkout. That's G-E-N-I-U-S-1-0 at hero.co. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. My lovely genius farts, let's keep this podcast sponsored and my lights on so I ain't out in these streets selling ass. This podcast is brought to you by IP Vanish. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't do shit? That's right. Without added security, you might as well just give away all your private parts. That is not the line. It's private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IP Vanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly 
private. If you are browsing the internet without using a VPN, you are an idiot. Use IP Vanish. It's the best. You don't have to sacrifice on speed on your computers, tablets, or phones. You just get to use it, and it's super dope. It keeps your data encrypted, and that's super important today with a bunch of hackers online. I kid you not, if you're online and you're not using uh, a VPN like IP Vanish, you are tripping. IP Vanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you have nothing to lose. That's like fucking nine months for free. So go to ipvanish.com slash brain and use promotional code brain and claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com slash brain. Do you, do you feel that fighting too is, is, is how, how important is that mental part? It's very important. Yeah. It's very, very important. Confidence is everything. You have to believe you can beat the guy. Yeah, because I was, you know, it was this interview with uh, Tyson Fury and a bunch of heavyweights. I think even Lennox Lewis was there. And they were just talking. It goes, in order for you to be a champion, I have to believe that every, I, I, have, I am the best that has ever been before and that's going to come after me. Yeah. So everybody here in this, I, I, I believe that I could beat everybody here at this table. And whether it's true or not, but that's like the belief that you have to have. See, that's another problem that I have when it comes to fighting. I don't believe that. <laughs> I, I think there's, there's so many people better than me. And I think anything can happen in a fight. On the other hand, I believe I'm a true martial artist. I will spar anybody. And I love to make good content. I love to get in the zone and get those good exchanges. And even if I'm getting hit, if you watch my content, I'll never put content of just me winning. It's always a fair exchange. And if I'm dominating too much, I won't post it unless it's a tutorial because I'm trying to teach something. Um, but but yeah, that's why I do well with my sparring because I'm confident. And and I know that I'm not going to get knocked. Well, it depends what I'm sparring with. But, yeah, yeah. but for the most part, you know, it's, it's a safe environment and I, can, I get to be calm and be my best. And in the fight, there's people watching, reputations on the line. Um, there's just a lot of stuff that's going through your head that you really have to think about because... Yeah. Even, you know, something like, you know, performing stand-up. If I'm doing it at a show where it's a bunch of people that are coming to see me, I'm a lot more relaxed. Versus if I'm at a comedy club, nobody knows me, the pressure's on. Yes. Because these people don't know who the fuck I am. They don't know if I'm funny or not, if I'm if I'm going to be a bust. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a lot of added pressure. I, there's this, like years ago, I performed at the Ice House Pasadena. A lot of people don't know this, but and that set was fucking terrible, by the way. I didn't prep, prep <laughs> shit and they hit me up the day, day before. I was like, oh, if you'll give me a 15-minute spot, I'll do it. And yeah. I went up there, didn't pre- prepare shit. But at that point, I hadn't performed at a uh, at a comedy club in like a year. And then immediately when I went on stage, my stomach started cramping up. I was like, dog, this should never happen to me. I've been doing this since I was 16. You know? And then I felt the butterflies and everything. Yeah. And literally throughout the whole set, I'm rubbing my stomach. <laughs> I'm just rubbing my belly. And people don't know. They're just laughing. But they don't know because I'm about to throw up. <laughs> Be like, oh, this guy's funny. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm gonna yak. This, I'm, the whole time I'm doing my set and I'm running, rubbing my fucking belly like Buddha. And so, but people are giggling and I'm like, they're like, oh, this guy's just weird. He's rubbing his belly. I'm like, it's because I'm on the verge of throwing up right now and none of you fucking Did you end know up this. Uh, afterwards, I had to take a breather okay. and then just went right when I got off stage, the cramp went away. And mm-hmm. I never felt that before. And it was because I was so fucking nervous because I hadn't done stand up in a while. And oh, it was wow, like, yeah. oh, and it was in a new city, it was in LA. So I was used to performing out in the Bay Area, uh, in Sacramento. And I even one time went over to the East Coast to perform. And even that was fucking nerve wracking. And this time I didn't have any alcohol. I didn't drink anything. Because I was like, fuck it. I don't you, need You anything. were telling me a funny story though when you were high as fuck. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. I need to be on the influence sometimes to do some real shit. You know, yesterday we were talking about 
like I said, like you going into fighting and stuff. And you said you used to be, uh, you, were you uh, training to be law enforcement or were you law enforcement? So, so it'll make, make a lot of sense once I explain my story. But I joined when I was 15. Um, a buddy of mine named Andrew brought me in to train Muay Thai. And I just kind of fell in love with that as a sport, as a hobby. My coaches at the time was like, hey, man, you should go fight. You know, you're, you're natural. They would call me Junior Masato. I had like the dyed hair when I was younger. Um, so I just competed as an amateur and I just took one fight after the other and I racked up a lot of experience in amateur and striking zero experience in jiu-jitsu and at the time. And then, uh, my coach was like, you should fight pro MMA. These, these MMA guys can't strike. I'm like, if you say so. Yes. So he was right. First fight TKO went well. Second fight. Um, I fought a wrestler and then I had only started working my wrestling and jujitsu. I was still a white belt. Unfortunately, um, after the second round, he took me down, choked me out. I'm like. Maybe I should stick to Muay Thai or maybe I should just train some jiu-jitsu. Um, with that said, back to the topic, my main goal at that time was uh, to get into law enforcement. I spent 10 years of my life volunteering, countless hours, went to college for police foundations, university for criminology. Uh, I did everything you can to get into policing. It's very hard. You need a stack resume. So I thought, like, I'm not too smart up here, uh, but I'm, I think I'm, gifted physically i'm 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 explosive and whatnot and i got that combat skill so i thought hey you know if you're gonna get into policing you should have the combat skills because there's a bunch of badass police officers right now uh, i mean no for offense. sure yeah um so i decided hey if i train jiu-jitsu i get um like a purple belt i, I want to get a brown belt black belt eventually and train muay thai i would add to the resume if i fought amateur that would add to the resume i got life experience so not a lot of cops can say they've been in many i mean they they do but like specific, the, like physical the, altercations. Yeah, yeah. The experience I, say. Is, I thought the experience was good at least. And then when I when I got offered to fight pro, I was like, hey, I could add that to my resume. Mm. So I had a stacked resume going into it. Um, but with that said, I still didn't get in until like f- 10 years later. But anyways, um, I spent 10 years trying to get into policing. And because I had such a hard time getting in, I would fight on the side. Then I couldn't get in and then I'd fight on the side again. Then I back and forth. And eventually I'm like, look, Ottawa, which is a, the capital city of uh, Canada, very boring government city, only one police service or three, but um, very hard to get in. So I moved to Toronto, bigger city, tons of police services. And to get more experience, I applied for like Brinks. I did like the armored transportation. I did like hospital security. I did all sorts or all sorts of security work. And um, so it's, so it's funny because I've been asked this question many times, which is what, made you transition from law enforcement into uh, doing YouTube. And I've always told these interviewers, it's, it's a long story. It's a crazy story. And I never shared it with them. I just told them my life turned upside down. And I, I kept it at that just because there, there wasn't enough time since. So I wasn't comfortable sharing with it. So mm. if you guys are watching, it's not that I don't want to share with you. It's just that there wasn't enough time and I wasn't comfortable. Yeah. Every, but, but, everybody has their own pace when they want to tell a certain story. Like time is usually the biggest indicator for me. Like yeah. even when I tell personal stories yeah. that, you know, on like, so for, I mean, like I'm different now. Like I literally told a story about how I was in a bathroom in LA and this lady approached me because I, I accidentally walked into the women's bathroom. <laughs> and then this lady, <laughs> when I walked in, this lady was like, you need to get out of here. And I had headphones on, so I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> And I took it out and she, I was like, what, what, you know, and she was like, you're in the woman's bathroom. And this Asian lady walks up and she goes, did you ask for his or her pronouns? <laughs> and then she was defending me. 
And then, that, that, though, that, that, that's, that's a funny story. Yeah. Uh, well, my mind's a little bit more serious, yeah. but I, I'll continue with it. <clears throat> um, so I was in Toronto working um, Brinks or security hospital. I can't remember. My father passed away. So I got his inheritance money to buy a condo in Toronto. Then about three months later, I got a job in Waterloo as a special constable. Mm-hmm. Um, it, essentially like a university police. Oh, okay. Like I, was, I wasn't like an actual cop, but, but I still had a peace officer status. Um, now Waterloo is a university town. It's a dead town, but that was the only place that would hire me. So of course I would take it. Now I didn't want to live there full time. I want to just work there and still have my condo in Toronto. But I didn't want to have to just sell the condo. So I want to rent it out and, and then rent, rent a place out in uh, Waterloo. <clears throat> and at that time, I happened to have a acquaintance slash friend. Now he's a former friend. Enemy, actually, <clears throat> who uh, I rented the place to. And um, the deal was I'd rent it dirt cheap for him. But he can, and he can also keep the room just when I come back on weekends. I can crash on the uh, the couch. My condo, he can stay in the bedroom. I stay on the couch, cheap rent, just on the weekends whenever I want to party in, in Toronto. And then I go back to Waterloo for work and I do that back and forth. Within two months of work, and again, I spent 10 years of my life getting into law enforcement. I finally get in. Two months, I lost my job. Oh, shit. So what happened was one night I uh, went back to Toronto to party. Everyone was meeting at my place. I arrived to my condo. I believe there were seven RCMP officers and border police officers in my condo and outside in the hallway. Wouldn't let me in and told me that the guy that was inside is arrested, is in jail, and uh, you can't go in right now. And I'm like, oh, but this is my condo. And then he's like, can we interview for, for questions, like investigation? And me being naive and not knowing what's going on and me being a police officer myself was like, yeah, of course. So I told him everything I knew. Mm-hmm. which wasn't much. It was just <clears throat> everything I knew. Yeah, it's like, I, I'm running this uh, yeah, place yeah. out to him and that's about it. So they interviewed me and then that was it. And then, um, yeah, a week later or maybe a few days later, I guess they called my service and they told them what happened and they decided to suspend me for the time being under investigation. And then I was like, oh shit, like this is scary. <clears throat> Not that scary yet. A month later, they uh, arrested me. What? Right? They arrested me. I got put into the Toronto that? Toronto South Detention Center. I was in like the t- detention center for like two and a half weeks. It took me two and a half weeks to get bailed out. Once I got bailed out, I was on, under house arrest for two and a half years. Two and a half years. In- what the fuck? fuck? Right? Can you picture me in jail? <laughs> I mean, I can feel you, you piece people up. But actually, actually, people were really nice in jail. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And, and it was funny because like, there's nothing to do there um, except like a few weights mm-hmm. or like a chin-up bar. And I was like shadow boxing and like I had like a team shadow boxing. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, you guys want to train? <laughs> Anyways, uh, that, was, that was the funny, funny parts. But, but it, this story gets really sad and scary. So yes, uh, it took two and a half weeks to get bailed out. Then I was uh, under house arrest for two and a half years. I could not leave the house without my mother or sister. Actually, even before that, I, the first, the, the rules were you can't leave the house. You can't use the internet and you can't touch a cell phone. So this went on for about a year and I was depressed. Yeah. Like, I, I wanted to kill myself. Like, 
well, first, how much years do you are, are, do you think they wanted to give me? I don't know. FOI, the, the drugs was fentanyl. Shit. I don't know, five years? They wanted 18 years. What the fuck? I kind of skipped the story. So, so basically, the guy got arrested because drugs were sent to my condo under my fighter name, Jackie Chan. Oh my. God. So, this motherfucker, <clears throat> dude. So, I arrived to the condo and they were asking me questions like, Did you order a package? I'm like, No. Did you order a package under Jackie Chan? I'm like, No. They're like, are you Jackie Chan? I'm like, I don't want to answer that, but yes, because that's my fighter name, but my name's Jeff Chan. Yeah. Um, so, so that's what I mean by like, <clears throat> I shouldn't have said anything because it made the, the, the case worse by yeah. talking and they used it against me. But uh, essentially someone, that guy, my, my roommate, he, I guess, shipped drugs, fentanyl to my condo under my name. And he went to go pick it up that day and he, he got shit for. <clears throat> but I guess they wanted to catch more people and want to arrest me. Or he kind of tried to snitch, put it on, on me. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyways, with that said, the drugs were shipped from overseas. So that's why they're like, okay, you can't touch a cell phone and you can't touch the internet. So for the whole year, I was depressed. I told him, this is very sad, but I told my mom and my sister, I'm like, if I go to jail for 18 years for something I did not do, I'm going to kill myself. Like, yeah, I mean, to be I honest would, with you, like, <clears throat> not even as a joke, I, that's the exact same thought I would think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a very, very scary time. Like two and a half. Let, let me tell you. Like, so, so it's just a year first. Yeah. It was a year. And then after a year, I was going crazy. My, my beard was like, I, I was depressed. All I yeah. did was watch TV show. Watch, I watched Prison Break <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> yeah. By the way, it's a great show. Yeah. Anyways, um, and then eventually I'm like, I asked my lawyer, I'm like, hey, can you like reduce the, the conditions for me? Like, I'm going crazy here. A and they said that the police would check on me every week. They never checked on me for the whole two and a half years. Oh my God. And yeah. I'll, I'll explain later my, all my thoughts on that. But anyways, um, so I asked them to change the conditions. They changed it so that I can leave the house only if I'm with my assurities, my mother or my sister. And because I was going crazy without training, uh, my mom, my poor mom would drive me to the gym, wait outside. Technically, she wasn't even allowed. She had to be inside, but she waited outside for me to train. <clears throat> and then after training, I'd come back home. And then I didn't know what to do because I knew that if I was proven innocent, I still wouldn't be able to get back into law enforcement. Just the fact that I was <clears throat> associated with this this yeah. situation. I would never be able to get back in. This podcast. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com that's A-N-G-I or download the app today this episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus get in loser Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic get ready for more of the rumors backstabbing and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises rated PG-13 wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free
is sponsored by Purple, my friends. If you know me, you know how much I love my Purple mattress. Whenever I travel, I dream about my mattress and coming back home to it so it could just caress my back. There is nothing I've ever slept on in my life that's better than a Purple mattress. I don't care what you say. Purple is freaking amazing. And that's because only Purple mattresses have the gel flex grid. I can move around as much as I want on my side and it stays super comfortable and there's no like vibration going on to my lady's side. I masturbate furiously every night and my lady doesn't wake up at all. She's like, I, I didn't I didn't know you were masturbating. You know why? Because of that gel flex, flex, gel flex grid, my friends. I'm not playing. It supports me like my wife does on my shoulders, necks, and hips. No matter how you sleep, my friends, purple has your back. I love it. I miss it every night I travel. Do not play with me. I love purple. Getting a great night's sleep starts with having a great mattress. Get a purple mattress. Go to purple.com slash brain10 and use code brain10 for a limited time. You can get 10% off any order of $200 or more. That's purple.com slash brain10. Code brain10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Purple.com slash brain10. Promo code brain10. Terms apply. So you, I had started the YouTube channel at the time. I only like half-hearted like very half effort into it. I had like 5k subscribers. Um so I knew that I wouldn't get into law enforcement and I'm not good at anything else. So I put all my time into YouTube and that's where it grew substantially. So Wait, you started the channel while this was happening. It blew up while this was happening. What the fuck? Yeah, it blew up while this was happening. So it's crazy. So so you know, looking back, it's it's a blessing in disguise. And I believe things happen for a reason. And like it starts to make me think about like spiritual things and like God, do you believe in God? And so like, I'll, I'll get into that later. But back to what I was saying, um, I actually met my fiance while I was under house arrest. Oh, wow. She actually stuck around and helped me grow the business to where it is now. So if this didn't happen to me, I would have put all my focus into law enforcement and I w- would have just continued doing tutorials in my condo gym with like a bench press right beside me. You know what I mean? If you look yeah. at my, actually I privated them because it was so bad, but my old tutorials, I would like teach jujitsu on the condo gym and there'd be like a bench press beside me, <laughs> a, a curl bar or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Funny story because when I started going to the gym, my old coaches, so I had to go back to Ottawa. So I moved to Toronto, I had to go back to Ottawa and then my old coaches, they hooked me up, they let me work. So I would teach like once a week and uh, my fiance was a student. <laughs> yeah. You're not supposed to date students, but you know, we just- ah, You got to get it in when you can. Well, well, you know what? We, 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 we clicked um, and she'll never admit this, but like, she'd be like, hey, um, you watching UFC uh, tonight? I'm like, yeah, I'm watching with my friends. Obviously I was just going to be at home. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I was watching with my friends. I didn't want to give her a reason. And she's like, oh, okay. And, the, and, and you know, and then like weeks went on, I would teach her and we, we got along and I'm like, eventually I'm like, Fuck, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna ask her out. So I asked her out and we went on our first date and my sister followed a few meters behind the whole, the whole date. <laughs> so my sister is, yeah, yeah, she's got my back. Um, and then during dinner, I'm like, I just told her straight up what happened. I'm like, yeah. I'm actually under house arrest right now. My sister's actually like a few meters around here watching. And uh, she stuck around. She's just outside right now. Damn, that's a fucking down ass bitch, dude. She's just like, you know what? I don't give a fuck, dude. Yeah. So it's funny because I'll ask her now, if you ask her right now, um, I ask her like, why, why did you stick around? And like, 
why I'm on under house arrest for 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 fentanyl. I like bad boys. That's why. She, <laughs> I don't think she meant it this way, but the way I received it was when she spoke to me during the whole date. There's no way that you can be some sort of drug lord. The, the way you speak, your personality. She's basically saying I'm like. <laughs> like that'd be so funny. She goes, "Listen, you are an idiot." <laughs> she is like somebody as dumb as you <laughs> and you're just sitting there like hey, what the fuck <laughs> that's, she said that in a nice way but that's pretty yeah. much what I got and, and, so and, and I agree like I, I don't know drug terms I don't I don't have that swagger like you have much more slang than I do like I'm very proper in the way I speak. Oh, I'd be the worst drug dealer ever dude I'm so <laughs> I'm so loud it's like you want drugs <laughs> like hey bro shut the fuck up <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. So that's what happened. Um, where do I start from here? I got so much to fill in. Um, she stuck around with me until trial and, uh, trial, they asked for three weeks and I had 18 family members book off work to come do this trial for me. So we rented like a mansion to, for all 18 members to stay and, and support me. The trial lasted two and a half days. That was so pretty much I say that because they thought it would last three weeks. It lasted two days because they had zero evidence on me. The only evidence they had on me was the fact that the drugs was sent to my condo under my name. But the thing is, too, like if they convicted you for that, that would have been fucking trash because, you know, I knew some very precarious people. That's a very common thing. You get you order a package under a different name and then you bring it to your place. It happens all the time. It's very, very fucking common. I didn't do it. I'm not saying I did it, but that's just a typical thing that somebody would do, especially if you're getting like, not even just overseas overseas drugs, because at the time we was illegal. People would just drop off packages in different names all the fucking time. Yeah. And and that's the thing that's so scary is that there's so many documentaries on people who go to jail for things that they did not do. Oh, dude, I would, like like you said, I would just kill myself. I literally, yeah, I literally believed that I was going to jail, even though... I knew I was innocent. Um, I'm a big, well, okay. Sorry. Since that happened, I'm a huge believer. And, you know, Chinese people have this, uh, this, uh, this thing where it's like, if you speak too soon, they believe it'll go away. Mm. So basically what happened was prior to all this happening, I, I kid you not, like two months before I was like, right when I got the job, actually, I was sitting, I was back in Ottawa, sitting down with my mom and my sister. And I'm like, guys, I'm just in the happiest place of my life. And I'm like, you know, with your, your sibling, you kind of brag a bit. I'm like, look, I just turned 25. I just got my purple belt last month. I just bought my first condo. Obviously with dad's inheritance money, I just got my first Mercedes, which I bought off my sister's husband's father. He sold it to me for very cheap. And then I just finally got my job as a police officer. I'm going to flash that badge in the club. Yeah. <laughs> right after that, everything was taken away from me one by one. Wow. And so I was led to believe that if I say anything positive about me, it's going to go away and shit can just turn upside down. And even though I'm like, I'm innocent, they have no evidence on me. I should be fine. I'm like, I'm going to go to jail. I was so scared. That's the crazy thing too. Cause I've, you know, there's a lot of, you know, court cases right now that people are trying to overturn the people who are wrongfully put in, put in jail and there was um, a case where there was a, a kid who was in football. He was supposed to go to the NFL, I believe. Like he had a contract ready. And this girl um, 
basically testified that he he raped her or like sexually assaulted, something really bad. But then he was in jail for damn near like 10 years. And then 10, maybe even more. I mean, like he, like he couldn't, couldn't get bail, right? Yeah. So if you you guys can look it up, I'm, I'm just going to throw out random numbers just for story's sake, but it was like 10, 15 years or whatever. And then finally, somebody recorded her saying that she lied about it. And then he got out of jail, but he already, he was supposed to go to the fucking NFL. 10, 15 years is like, just gone. Gone like that. With that said, I forgot to mention, it took two and a half weeks to bail me out. Normally it would have taken two, three days. Luck, I don't know what it was, but I was stuck there for so long and the, the judge did not want to bail me out. He did not want to bail me out. And there was, there was a 50-50 chance, in my opinion, that I was going to be stuck in jail. And that would have been two and a half years before trial. Are, are drug offenses taken a lot more seriously than here in the States? Yes. And, and at the time, fentanyl was blowing up. It was all in the media. So, right, so, so actually, I remember they what I wanted to, to say. an example out of you. Yes. So basically, the, my lawyer was like, or sorry, I asked my lawyer, I'm like, how could they ch- turn my life upside down based off that, that, that evidence? And he's like, I think they're, they're, they just can't drop it because of the severity of the case. And then uh, he actually said the prosecutor after the trial told him, hey man, I, I couldn't drop the case because we were trying to fight to, to, to just fucking close it. And the prosecutor actually told my lawyer, the media man, my, the upper, upper guys, they wouldn't let me drop it. And wow. what's funny is he, the, the prosecutor by the end of the trial was a third prosecutor, meaning there was one guy. Left. He's like, I can't girl, left. Boy, bitch. <laughs> Se- second person <laughs> left third person went through all the way so i assume they, they they couldn't do it that there's not enough evidence switch another person couldn't do it switch another person this person's like okay i'm just gonna do it so oh that's why God. that's why the trial lasted for only two three days and and yeah and there's nothing there there's nothing there and they were pressing for it really hard and and, and, and it makes sense that no police officer ever came to check up on me mm. they're like why I mean, that's just my assumption, but I'm but, pretty but, sure yeah. they're like, this guy, it didn't do this. Like, yeah. why? What's the point? He's just losing his fucking mind. Dude, I had COVID. I was in a hotel for six days. I cried. <laughs> I legit cried. And it wasn't even a battle. It was a nice hotel. <laughs> I, I was at the window watching people walk and I teared up. I was like, I want to be you. You know, <laughs> I couldn't imagine being under house arrest for that fucking long. I would lose my fucking mind. If I didn't have my YouTube channel in something, to, uh, some sort of goal. I would have, I don't know. Do you really think, man, in that kind of case too, then YouTube kind of like saved your life. It did. I truly believe it's a blessing in disguise. If I did not, um, if this did not happen to me, I would be in Waterloo right now working as a police officer. And I would have hated my life. I was working 12 hour overnight shifts. You know? Jesus, man. And it's so, <laughs> it's so scary. Just that idea of, I'm pretty sure when you're going through it, it's like, dude, 10 years of my life, I worked up to this point and then boom, it gets just taken like away. You know? And I, you know, like I'll, we were just talking about this yesterday too, where, you know, people ask about, you know, kind of like my career steps and they go, what happens if, I don't know, YouTube disappears? I don't, I'm not sure if it's because I'm being overly defensive and like trying to make sure I don't have like too many emotional ties to things. But for me, it's just like, if it gets taken away, it gets taken away. And just, it is what it is. And I just have to start a new chapter in my life. Only because like you said, like certain things happen for a reason. It's really hard to say for me sometimes that, oh, they go, you know, what would you change out of the things that you've done? It's like, it's hard to say because everything has led up to a certain point. Yes. If this didn't happen, then I wouldn't be here. And sometimes a lot of the wisdom, the knowledge that we get is from these fucking mistakes. 
Like, who would Jeff Chan be if this didn't fucking happen? And fuck your friend, by the way, too. What the fuck? He, he, I'm pretty sure he was trying to rat you out, too. He's, he's hated in Ottawa. Everyone believes me. You fucking piece of shit. And, and you know what? Um, it's a life lesson. It's a huge life lesson. And to be honest, I've been babied by my mom and my sister. And, you know, they'll, t- they'll be like, you're so unlucky. You're so unlucky. You got to be more careful. And then uh, I'm like, true. And then my fiance, on the other hand, she calls me out. She's like, it wasn't bad luck. It was your fucking fault. And she's like, you, you were a police officer and you rented the house or condo to this guy. And don't get me wrong. I didn't know he was selling drugs, but I, I knew he was a shady guy. Mm. I knew he, he was that guy who I'd go to clubs with and he'd get into fights. He was a troublemaker. Again, I didn't know he was a drug dealer, but he was not the greatest guy. But he was a friend and he was a friend that I grew up with. That's where we get fucked up a lot, though. Well, that's what a lot of people get fucked up with because you grew up with these guys and they're you your feel, friends. You feel loyalty to people sometimes when yeah. they won't do the same for you. And it's only because there's time. Like we've invested time into each other. Yeah. And I think yeah, we were talking about this. This is where we, we fumble a lot because we're, we're misconstruing what makes somebody a good person. It's, oh, I just known this person for a long. Doesn't, that doesn't mean fucking shit. You kind of have to look for, and I really actually like, I mean, just to sidetrack real. So, you know, what, what your fiance said too, it's personal responsibility. Resp- yeah, it's responsibility. You yeah. know, like we could say as much as we want, oh, I got the worst fucking luck. But at the same time, we made personal choices that allowed for this to happen. And sometimes when people say that, like, he's like, oh, you shouldn't blame yourself because you were the victim. I don't like being a victim, right? There are times where, yes, you are a victim. But when you take control of the narrative and you say, okay, I could have done certain things a little better. Number one, it helps you control the chaos and helps you be a better person, right? Because it's easy for, you know, especially in your case too, it's like, well, I just rented my place out. I don't know why this happened to me. That's such a defeatist mentality and you can't escape from that, you know? Before we continue, let's keep this podcast sponsored. You know what I'm going to talk about. I'm talking about that BetterHelp, my friend. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp because I love BetterHelp because BetterHelp helps me be a better version of me every day. People always do not realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. And let's not forget about doom scrolling, sleeping too little, sleeping too much, under eating, and overeating. My friends, this is all stuff that you can get help for at BetterHelp. Listen, I love my BetterHelp therapist. And honestly, this dude helps me through all these dark times that, you know, sometimes I feel, listen, I'm a comic, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going through shit. And honestly, my BetterHelp therapist slash counselor helps me out, my friends. I love BetterHelp. Give it a try. You have absolutely nothing to lose. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. So give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. Genius Brain listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash genius. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash genius. Yeah, if if I continued with that mindset and I continue hanging out with those guys, it could happen to me again. Yeah. So, you know, I appreciate my fiance. She's, 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 she's a keeper and she's, she's real. She tells me, she calls me out on a lot of stuff. It's it's hard though. You know, um, a lot of people go through this stage in their life where they do have to learn how to assess and learn how to cut people out. And sometimes it's not even just for the fact that they're quote unquote bad people. Sometimes you have to cut people out because 
I don't want to say cut people out as a definitive way to say it, but sometimes people just grow apart, right? And so we, we try to hold on to things that we feel a certain loyalty to, right? But at the same time, like to expect certain things out of somebody else when they won't do the same for you, it's, it's, it's a lose-lose situation for me, right? I just kind of progress in my life and I do what I have to do. And if you want to come along, you can, right? And I talked about this on a previous podcast too with my buddy Joe. It's like the idea that sometimes we feel, what is that? What is that? It's like survivor's guilt. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I just want to carry these people with me. Yeah. You know, I, I was like, I'm doing, I gotta, I'm gonna drag you up with me. But you always end up being the person that's drowning mm-hmm. because you can't carry people's dead weight. They have to carry it themselves and you guys have to grow together. For sure. And, you know, that's where we get fucked up, you know? Yeah. You just gotta kind of go your own path sometimes as hard as it is. Um, yeah, and look at your position now. Like you've you've kind of developed this channel too, where you you're helping a lot of people out. There's some people, man. Like I, I think I really kind of fell in love with your channel and what you did was because I could tell how much you care about your content. It's not just hey guys, my name is Jeff and I'm gonna teach you guys how to punch. Like those, that's very utilitarian. Mm-hmm. Like I could tell that you enjoy what you're doing. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Sorry to cut you off, but whenever I'm on vacation, you should be going on vacation. And training is my vacation. Actually, making content is my vacation. That's what That's I love. Awesome. That's what I love doing. So I, I even promised my fiance, I'm like, I'm not going to drop by any gyms this time because she helps me film. So it's, it's a hassle for. It is not going to I'm, I'm not, I'm not going. I'm not going to drop by any gym. But I'm like, I'm missing all these opportunities. Like yesterday, I got my ass kicked, but I had a great time. I have good, good footage. Mm-hmm. And when I went for San Francisco, same thing. When I went to Hawaii, same thing. I got good footage, and that's what I like doing. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I mean, you're a true martial artist, you know, and I think. That's what a lot of people are looking for, not just in terms of being a martial artist, but finding something that you truly enjoy and love. And like, like we were just talking about, if certain things didn't happen, who would have known what your path would have been? You might, you might have just been a cop for another like 10 years and then you would have been like, I actually like this. But within those 10 years, you didn't get too to late. Some, it was too, too late. late. And, and that's know? the thing is uh, procrastination. This is different, but, but reminds me of another topic which is procrastination there's so many people i've been influenced and motivated to start their own channels um they're like jeff let's start a channel together or or i'll start a channel help me out like give me some tips um and 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 they start it and within a few months they don't see the views they give up and i tell you it takes a very 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 long time long time dude i've i've followed channels that had actually at least they started but Mm. there's a lot of people who say it but they never start Mm. They don't start at all. Procrastination is the biggest barrier. I've, I've, I've literally followed channels that started with like 2,000 followers and then four years and now they have millions. I'm like, it took them a long time. Mm-hmm. There's, a, or, there's a guy who has a, a channel called Not Another Cooking Show. He was getting like 5,000 views, 6,000, 7,000, 10,000. Now he's over at like half a million views per video. But I've been following for like three, four years and it took a while. It took pandemic hit and then people started cooking more and then uh, the shit yeah. popped off. And I was so glad because that guy who does the Not Another Cooking Show, I think he's one of the better um, food creators out on the space. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, I would share his stuff to other people. Hopefully his channel will blow up. I mean, he doesn't even know who the fuck I am. But when I watch his stuff, it reminds me of your channel. It seems like, oh, this guy really fucking enjoys what he's doing. And that's the type of reason why, like, I, you know, have you on this podcast because I like interviewing people that kind of motivate me and kind of put me in check of like, because I've had this success for quite a long time. Sometimes I forget what it's like to be hungry, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. We get very complacent. Yes. And so I stop wanting to be better. I'm like, oh, this is good. You know, checks are coming in. You're fine. But there was a moment in my life where there, this wasn't here. And every day I worked harder to become better. 
And so when I see people who are enjoying what they're doing, it kind of refreshes me. It's like, oh, I should get back to this too, where you just enjoy it. And sometimes I overthink about content, which I never used to be that person. Mm -hmm. I used to be like, let's just do this and throw it up and see what happens. (laughs) And now I'm just like, okay, what's the game plan here? How many uploads a week are you doing? And that always stuns me inside and I just don't start sometimes. Well, it's kind of funny because I was surprised at how relaxed you are. You're just like, hey, you want you want to go on the podcast tomorrow? And I'm like expecting you to be like, oh, so we're gonna we're gonna do this, prepare this, this, this. It's like I literally just came here. You want to do the podcast? Okay, yeah. sat down <laughs> on one, two, three. I'm like, whoa, what, what? <laughs> well, this is like a very casual podcast. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't I don't like structuring this in a way where it feels like an interview mm-hmm. because it's not fun that way. For sure. You know, I think certain people like podcasts like that. Like, there's a podcast I follow, Dax Shepard. His stuff is very armchair expert. Very, very organized, very precise. And he's a really great interviewer. Um, For this podcast, it's just me wanting to talk to people that I like. And so, you know, if we get great stories out of it, we do. If we don't, then whatever, you know. And your story to me is very personal and super dope that you're you're telling this because the process is so fucking important. Nobody would ever know. I didn't fucking know you were doing that while you had house arrest, dude. Which is crazy to me. It blows my... I don't know how you're doing that. To stay motivated to, to upload these videos consistently... When the idea that you just might go to jail for 20 years. Well, believe me, it took, it took a while. It took a while, but, uh, in my head, I eventually got to the point where I'm like, I'm innocent. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. But now I got to think of a, of a plan afterwards, you know, um, can't get into law enforcement. I got to do something. And my, what's the word? Like, what's the word for like, uh, relief was training. Yeah. So when I was during that in that situation, therapy, therapy, I was watching, I was watching TV, watching prison break. I'm like, I, I can finally leave the house with my mom. I got to train. I went to train. I got my mind off things because I was training. And then I met my fiance at the, t- you know, I met my fiance and now my mind's on a girl and that helped so much. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the second year and a half, it went by much faster. It was still bad, still very scary. But it went much faster because now I had my fiance with me and she's just fucking rock solid. You were talking about uh, your, your kind of, you know, during this time and, you know, you kind of went through a quarantine before quarantine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got to think about it like you. Yeah. you so, uh, you know, you were talking about your you, you wrestling with the idea of like spirituality. What were you, what, what was oh, happening yes. during that time? Um, so, okay. Uh, the story is kind of hard to explain. So basically I was telling you that I didn't think I was going to get bailed out when I was in prison and the judge made it sound like he did not want to let me out because the prosecutor was, the girl was fucking crushing me, just like using everything against me. And it just didn't seem like he was going to let me out. So there was like three days that I had to be in court to find out if I was going to get bailed out or not. And the first two days, the guy's like, why should he get bailed out kind of thing? And then my lawyer like didn't know what to say. and the third day, he the, the judge was like on the side of not letting me get bailed out. And then suddenly he just switched his mind and, and bailed me out. Now, during that day, and a lot of people who are watching this are going to say like, you're just, you're full of shit. But the judge was doing this all, all day, just fucking going like this. And my uncle was like, that's, that's something very familiar um, to my father. My father had a tumor. And... My father used to do this all the time. And my uncle was just like, like, why is he doing that? Suddenly, he didn't do it the first two days. And then um, suddenly he just bailed me out. And we're like, holy shit, like that, that's amazing. Sort of. 
anyways, my uncle literally walked up to the judge after and was like, you should, you should go see a doctor or the hospital. Like there seems to be something wrong with you. Like I've seen those symptoms before. And he was genuinely concerned. So anyways, I get back home and all my family obviously come sees me the next day. But the night before, when I got back home, it was a new house. I've always slept in my bedroom. Never have I not slept in that, in that bedroom. That night I slept on the couch. So the next day I uh, have all my family come visit me and are like asking me what happened. And my aunt, she's that aunt that has like that sixth sense and she has tons of ghost stories. And oh, she- God. Ba- <laughs> so basically um, she sat down and my mom's like, cause, because people will go to my aunt and be like, like when, when a grandfather dies, they'll be like, did, did you see him in her sleep? And she literally will, like, it's crazy like that. Anyways, so my mom went up to her and she was like, you got to talk to, to, to Harry, like my father. You got to get him to help my son. And she's like, he is. Um, last night, Jeff was sleeping here. Well, I, she dreamt that Jeff was sleeping on this couch and I was sleeping on his, his, um, his leg, like just lying on his head. And he says, I am taking care of him. And it's crazy because I've never slept on that couch before. And she, she dreamt that last night. Who, your, your mom? Or no, my aunt. So my mom spoke to my aunt. And your, your aunt is the more prophetic one. With yeah. The, okay. And my aunt told my mom that. And I'm like, shit, I, I slept, creepy I slept on that bed that, or that, that couch that night. And the night before, the whole headache thing. Mm-hmm. And my dad had a tumor and was sick for half of my life. Most of my life. Wow. So your, wait, your dad had a, had a brain tumor. Yeah. It was so close to his brain that he couldn't remove it. So he had to keep that, that whatever. And, and he, so that's why he constantly did this a lot. Holy shit. Yeah. So that's why. Yeah. It's crazy. Did, did, did um, what did the lawyer say? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the judge say when he would, you know, the fucking. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 my uncle just told me that. My oh. uncle told my mom that. My mom told me that. We didn't, we didn't find out what that's he actually fucking- said. That's fucking true. Yeah. So, dude. so, you know, if you didn't hear the whole father side of the story and just heard the judge doing this, you'd be like, what yeah, does that yeah, yeah. mean? But like, from my perspective, I'm like, holy shit. The, uh, what did that do for you? Like mentally, when you heard about that shit, did it make you? I cried. I was yeah. like, man, my dad's watching out for me. That's crazy. Yeah. What, and what, what, how old were you when your father passed away? 25. Oh man, you're, you're young. And, and, and what's even more sad is that like, you know, my family, we're not, we're not rich yeah, uh, by any means, but they work really hard. And my dad has been, had been sick for half my life uh, really early on. He had a business, a restaurant business, and he had to close it down because he got sick. So it was my mom who raised us, uh, at least brought in the income. Damn. And my mom is not educated. My mom, you know, works at a hotel. And so <clears throat> we weren't struggling, but my mom worked really hard. My father was not working because he was sick. He was on medication. and. You know, obviously me and my sister are ambitious. We want to go to university, want to work, whatever, whatever. And, you know, years, like two years after my father passed away, my mom told me like, you know, uh, your father told me that like, you know, before he passed away that he really wanted to give you extra money to buy a condo, which I did use that. Mm -hmm. But he wanted to get money for you somehow, but he didn't know how. And he, he eventually passed away. Um. And, and to explain that more was that he had a tumor his whole life, or sorry, half of my life, but he didn't die from the tumor. 
And it was a rare disease, a rare disease that my, or his doctor said occurs one in like a hundred chance. Jesus. So he had a tumor that you would think he would eventually pass away from, but it, that wasn't it. It was a rare disease. And, uh, this is probably just my mom saying it, but my mom was like, he didn't, he didn't want to live. He wasn't trying to live. So then me just like overthinking, I'm like, my father passed away so that he can help me with my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's trippy. What was the uh, disease that he had? I don't even know what it's called. Damn, it's like a one, really rare disease. One out of a fucking hundred. Yes. Or one percent of something. Very, very, very small chance. Jesus. Yeah. How, what was it like dealing with your dad? You know, especially because he was like sick for for half of his life. What, what to be was, honest, like I, I do have a lot of regrets because we argued a lot because he, when he was on medication, he would act like a child. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he was very out of it. Um, he would like. Make he would eat peanuts. He would be playing games on the computer like chess, and because uh, he had nothing to do, he had no job, right? Yeah, and he was always very sleepy. He would like eat peanuts and make a mess everywhere, and I don't have to pick it up. And like I, I used to like get into arguments with him. But I mean, it's hard to be, you know, for you to grow up and starting to be the parent of your parent that early on. Yes, you know, especially when you're in your twenties, you have no fucking patience, you have no wisdom, no knowledge, exactly, no empathy. It's so difficult you know and some people are just forced to grow up a lot earlier than everybody else and it's just you there's no warning for it you know it's just hey your dad's sick this is how he is and i never it you know because my 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 grandma had um like severe alzheimer's you know and then you don't know how to process what's going on and i'm like in my early 20s mm -hmm. i just know i just see this woman deteriorating and then you know, as a kid, I don't understand what my dad's going through because he's like super short tempered. He's like yelling at me, but he was going through his own process of feeling guilty because he couldn't take care of his parents. But as a 20 year old, I don't know this stuff. Yeah. You know, I just see myself as like, my dad's a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But you don't know what they're personally going through. You're young. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even though I knew my dad was on medication, I didn't really understand the effects of it. And it made him drowsy. It made him out of it. And mm -hmm. that's why I was acting that way. And I, I didn't really know because. I mean, I guess I might have known, but I, I, I guess I was immature. And, yeah. Yeah. That's insane, man. Your story's fucking nuts. <laughs> it is crazy. Like, like <laughs> your fucking story's nuts. Yeah. Like, and that, that's why I tell people like things happen for a reason. So if you're like at the lowest end, you got to stay strong, you know? Yeah. And I think like your biggest thing too, is like you, you met somebody in your life, like your, your fiance that kind of helps you refocus everything and we were talking about how it really is like the closest people in your circle that really influences you because it also you know for, for her, her position for her to hear your story and then she goes well there's also personal responsibility on your part it's actually not an easy thing to do a lot of people can't say that to somebody especially when they're close to them because they don't want to hurt their feelings right but that's really good of her to be able to you know openly communicate with you and say hey it's not bad luck. You made poor choices and you have to learn how to accept that and then, you know, get better from it. Especially because I saw that pad hitting video and that shit made me laugh so hard. <laughs> she, 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 she definitely challenges me in, in all, all ways of life. Like, uh, yeah, she, she challenges me. Not, not just this. She's, she's a good one. You yeah. Know, she's the one who's actually trying to pre not pressure me, but she's like, you should, you should expand the business. You should go to the States. You know, why, why, why settle down in Ottawa? where there's not much opportunities, you know, you should go and you're young, go, go. And, you know, she, she kind of, she's at that second brain or whatever you call yeah, it. Yeah. 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 I mean, she's, she's somebody there that's 
you know, it's like a good backbone to you. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, you know, her whispering in your ear and saying like good things like it's it's very important to find somebody like that. And, you know, a lot of the questions that we get here is like, how do you find a great partner? It's like there's like this. It's hard to say because I don't I never expected to be with somebody that kind of like filled in a lot of my um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just downfalls, right? Yeah, like yeah. The, the holes in my game, right? Because, you know, as a young guy, you know, you kind of have a lot of ego. You feel like, oh, you're, you know, you're a pretty complete person. And then mm-hmm. you meet somebody that points out all your fucking flaws. Oh boy, <laughs> tell me about it. Tell me about it. Like, yeah. Was, yeah, you know, she's like, you don't, something small. Like I remember when we first started dating, she goes, your face is dry. How come you don't use lotion? <laughs> I never knew my face was dry. And the moment she said that, that's all I saw. I was like, what is this? Like, my skin's terrible, you know, but she pointed it out and I couldn't get it out of my head, you know? And she's like, you know, you should probably look at a mirror every time you go outside just once. And then I'm like, oh my God, I have boogers everywhere, you know, but I didn't know this stuff. But, you know, you start being with somebody that points out the things that aren't great things about you. It's not because they're, they're mean and obviously there's tact. Yes. Right. But it's, it's good to have that person in your life. For sure. Even friends to just be honest and call call you out on things. Cause there are certain friends where I, I just feel like there's a boundary and I don't want to I feel like if I give them that warning, heads up, whatever you want to call it, that advice, he's going to take it the wrong way and he's going to get angry. And that's not good. Yeah. It's it's best that you just straight up tell them. But there there are certain people that I, I won't cross the boundary. And unfortunately, they're going to have to learn the hard way. Yeah. You know, some of the, some people just have to learn that way. And I, I feel like sometimes even when I, I don't do it often just because I do believe the people around me now are pretty smart. They can figure it out themselves. And, you know, you just nudge them in, in, in the right direction. But I'll also, too, I've also learned to give advice to people in the way that where I'm not emotionally involved too much. Because when you give somebody advice, how I, I believe anyways, like it's give it and they can take it or leave it. I don't, I used to do something when I was younger, which was a, a huge fallacy was I would give somebody advice and I get mad at them for not taking it. Well, they're an individual. They mm-hmm. could do whatever you want with it. You just do good things because you're a good person and you feel like it was the right thing to do. Whatever happens after that, you just let it go. Yeah. And I think before I would be like, this fucking idiot. You know, I told this <laughs> motherfucker a million times not to do it. You just did it anyways. And we would get into altercations uh-huh. and they know I'm right. But then my approach was so stupid because it's like, that's this person's life. It's not mine. It's not my responsibility. You just did it because you thought it was a good idea. If they take it, it's on them. If they end up in jail, then fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I I definitely agree. Uh, I've been in those situations many times as well. Yeah, man. Um, it's kind of like nuts just to see your 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 progression in this space too. Just because, like I said, not a lot of people stick around. You know, especially in this content heavy world and society. You're talking about YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. Man, I love what I do. I'm telling you, I love it. Like. There is a fear of me where one day YouTube crashes or or whatever online crashes. Um, but right now, if I can keep this the way it is, I love my life. I could not be any happier. You know, for vacation, I don't need much. Like, so we went to Hawaii before we came here. And like, everyone's like, oh, you're so, you're so lucky you're in Hawaii. Um, and I, I had fun. I had fun I'm spending time with my family. But I didn't have, I, I had the most fun when I went to a gym. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's like what was Hawaii like dude the gym was so it's like, oh. the, the, the truth is like me and my fiance were not much of a beach person anyways so mm. so yeah but we enjoyed the food a lot of poke bowls 
Dude, we we go to Hawaii together, man. Like I, I show you around. Oh yeah, you have a, you'll end up being a heavyweight by the <laughs> by the time. <laughs> you got a new store coming out, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're opening up a store, uh, uh Jumbi Macha, me and Joe, and then um our friend Greg, also Joe's cousin. Um, we're opening one in the Royal Hawaiian in Waikiki. So like I've been going to Hawaii two, I go two, three times a year. Wow. Yeah. I, I love I like the people. You know, it's just very nice. They are very nice. Yeah. Also, we're 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 like the white people in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> true, true, true. We're we're the majority. <laughs> Where do you usually go to Honolulu or, or I, I always or? go to um like Oahu. Um, oh, oh, Oahu. Okay. Yeah, because uh just all my friends are there. Okay. And um How do you have so many friends there? Just I just been going so much. And then you just connect with people and you know, some of these people are now like friends for life. And so when I ever go there, it's just like family. Mm-hmm. Um and Hawaii too, like, I think I really enjoy it just because they're an example of people who, you know, when you look at it, especially when it comes to natives and how they were just fucked over, like, they still manage to, number one, care about the place that they live in. Like, how often do you see trash on the floor there? I mean, you'll see it here and there just from, like, tourists and stuff. I was going to say Maui was really beautiful, very clean. Uh, Honolulu, we went to Waikiki, I believe. Yeah. A little bit more busy, like, like. Tourist oh, area. Yeah, that's so, like the Vegas of fucking yeah. Hawaii. There's a lot of homeless people too. I, I remember mm-hmm. I gave uh, I gave three burgers to the homeless, but they were super nice homeless people. Yeah, like one had like a very high, soft spoken voice. I was like, "You're such a nice guy. Thank you." They got they got uh well Hawaii kind of got fucked over because places like New York. I think this the the state of Hawaii had to sue New York because New York they were sending their homeless people over to Hawaii because huh. it's the weather's nice there and they would give clean them up, give them a free ticket, but they would leave them there. And so, you know, like Hawaii gets fucked over in a lot of those, you know, places, but these are some of the most positive people ever. And, you know, they're trying to get a lot of their, I wouldn't say like actual, um, like sovereignty, but just kind of like their identity back, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, the, the, I, like natives deserve the respect, right? And there's not a lot of like native speaking Hawaiian people left either because, you know, your culture gets washed out a lot. Yeah. But these people are always a reminder of, you know, whether you're a native or you're a local of, really appreciating what you have. They they really have a big emphasis on spending time with people that you love. And um, I know people in Hawaii who work like three, four jobs, but I never hear them complain. They they say, I'm lucky to live in, like, I'm lucky to live in Hawaii. That's something that you were saying um, when we're driving is that, uh, you know, your, your mother would uh, never complain about her work. And even though you guys were struggling at the time, you would, you would never uh, complain. And, and that's how you get your mindset from. Yeah, it's 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 important because it's also could have it could have been because of like my Christian upbringing too. It's like the idea that you always have more than enough, right? And my my level of happiness has never been based on a bigger home and material things. So the way I derive happiness and joy is from doing things, you know, for sure. Traveling, seeing things, meeting people, having conversations. That's another thing that uh, my fiance changed about me. I actually, she didn't change this part, but like when I was in university, I was all about like the Gucci, like mm. Louis Vuitton, like hung out with a lot of like Vietnamese people. Yeah. Uh, fucking all about, new man, yeah. fucking Louis Vuitton, <laughs> motherfucker, fuck you, man. <laughs> I wish Bart was here. That, that, that reminds me of uh, Uncle Uncle Sam. Yeah, Uncle Robert. Jay, Anyways, yeah. Um, yeah, I was really materialistic. But now, man, I wear sweats every day. Bro, I wear, this, this is my wedding outfit, dude. Yeah, I, I, I literally have two pairs of... Uh, jogger shorts three t-shirts and the rest is training gear one <laughs> one luggage on this whole whole like three-week trip i, love I just that. don't give a shit what i wear anymore as long as i'm comfortable um with that said i i used to um only travel to asia china asia or sorry china thailand 
Um, but once I met my fiance, she kind of opened opened my eyes. She's traveled to 67 different countries. Get the fuck out of here. That's yeah, nuts. She's traveled everywhere. And she's very like, you know, when we're at home, you know, we save, we, we cook at home and stuff. But when we go out or so when we travel, we spend and uh, we fly everywhere. We fly everywhere. And she's all about like that experience. And she's already traveled to all these countries. And now she's traveling and taking me and wants me to experience all this. And, and it's really opened my mind to these just two motherfuckers like, need to meet. She's a, she lived in Japan for that's what I said. Yeah, like, they, she lived in Japan for like a year. And then mm-hmm. also and so she could speak, you know, Mandarin, Japanese, Korean and English. And she's a she's a fucking wanderlust. She loves fucking traveling. And she's the one that opened my eyes to traveling, too. Yeah, these motherfuckers. I, I told you right, right when you had a few uh, <laughs> comments about your wife. I'm like, man, she's so similar to my wife, yeah, my, my fiance. Yeah, I call her my wife. We, we've been engaged for a very long time, but COVID hit, and then now now we're just like focusing on other things. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But I yeah. treat her like my wife. Yeah, that's 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 pretty fucking nuts, man. Like I I really find that it's crazy when you just meet the right person and yes. how they can just really fill those holes in your game. Like, and I'm. You know, I'm not very good at being like verbally, you know, appreciating her a lot because I never got it as a kid. Mm-hmm. So, so to say somebody, you know, like, hey, you're doing great and stuff, it doesn't really come to my mind because for me, like I said before, everything's about personal satisfaction. I don't need somebody to tell me good job as long as I feel it. So for her, like, I mean, I should probably tell this to her face. It's like she's really like opened up my world and my life because number one, I never thought that I would have been so strong enough to find somebody that made, made me feel weak at times, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh shit, like I, I do have things I need to work on and fix. And like I always tell people too, especially when it comes to relationships, you'll find out that being with somebody is not really about finding more, finding out more about them. It's more about, you find more about yourself. <laughs> it's like- True. Because they become that mirror and mm-hmm. you just can't run away from it, Yeah, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to say something before- I forgot. Sometimes this happens. I don't know if I <laughs> hey. spar too much, but this does happen. It's like I have something I want to say, and then uh, and then it just hey, that's literally. that's I don't even spar, and that shit happens to me all the time. <laughs> They're like, dude, why do you have CTE? It's like I don't know, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's another funny thing about me is um, my fiance hates fighting. Mm. Doesn't doesn't like the sparring. I wouldn't say hates, but doesn't like the sparring. Hates fighting. Doesn't like the sparring. And she thinks I get hit in the head too much, and she thinks I'm getting slower. But what she doesn't know is that I've been very slow all my life. Like I'm just not gifted in that way. Funny story. And I only, two funny stories. When I was in whatever elementary school, I was doing Kumon for English. Of course. And I'm Canadian born. That's hilarious, dude. That's funny. Another thing that I just recently found out, maybe like a year ago, was my mom. She was telling my fiance at the time, but she was telling me, us, that when I was in kindergarten, my teacher recommended that I go to special school. She thought I was retarded. Oh my god, dude! Apparently, That's I was hella funny. Apparently, I was so hyper that, like, you know, when we're sitting in a circle, I would like just get up and like start running and like tapping people in the head. Like, apparently, I was crazy. I don't know. This, you know, what? It's just like the level of like dealing with kids in education back in the day was just <laughs> really behind. Anytime a kid acted up or they couldn't focus, it was like, oh, this kid little retarded you know it's like, <laughs> it's like no the kid is just you know either it could be a, a wide range of spectrums in learning how to deal with kids because that's why sometimes school curriculums are very hard because sometimes they're very stiff and like these teachers because i wanted to be a teacher and um 
the way they would teach kids would be just very general, mm-hmm. right? And I'm it's evolved a lot since then. A lot of a lot of you know teachers are becoming a lot more um, keen to this. But you know when a kid would just move around because I was one of those kids. You know, moving around just, oh god just couldn't stop moving and it was just the idea that i was just very hyperactive yeah and i need to get my wiggles out so you know when i was a kid my parents put me in taekwondo mm-hmm. i was in soccer and that's where i would probably i would thrive the Excel, most. yeah because yeah. Yeah, that's you know i get my shit out it was just so weird because i was so fat but i, I would move so much and I'm like what what is this kid eating you know like he's so large but he moves so much you know which I think that's a funny thing too, is like when, you know, when Nick and I first started training, he goes, you're pretty agile for a big guy. <laughs> you move fast. I, I, I always play sports. Well, well, funny thing. I didn't, I didn't tell you at the time, but uh, you know, how I was playing with a lot of head movement. I was like dipping my head forward mm-hmm. and like, I normally have a really good reaction to just like pull back and cross. Mm-hmm. You caught me a few times. <laughs> well, you'll see on the video. You caught, you caught me a good time. All, all right. Only yeah. highlight that stuff and then delete Pop, everything you, else. You had a good, and, and yes, you got long arms. Yeah. Um, longer than I expected. Longer than I think. Yeah. You know? So it's like, I, I always have to just be mindful of, you know, kind of like my body and my spatial awareness. Mm-hmm. I mean, kickboxing still is very hard for me. Um, just the, just the, the added threat of a leg is just something I always have to be mindful of. You gotta use those long legs to your advantage too. I know I gotta use my fucking legs and you know, I just, the setups are a little weird cause I can't see the openings yet with the, with the kicks. Cause it's, you know, two years since I've done It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so you're doing two years under training and that's part with me. You're very good. Oh, why? Thank you, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this video, I'm just going to watch it. Just cringe. I'm like, oh, you fucking idiot. <laughs> this is that Korean side. Like, you know, remember, I, I, no matter what I see, it's just like, this shit fucking sucks. <laughs> like, you piece of shit. <laughs> like, I, I, I always just want to go back and say, let me redo this. But I think one of the things that I had to learn, too, is like, sometimes you have good sparring days. Sometimes it just fucking sucks. All the time. And you just had to accept it. And um, I didn't really know that. And so, some, you know, when sessions would be bad, I would just beat myself up mm-hmm. and then I would just drill by myself over and over and <laughs> over. And then sometimes it's like, just relax, bro. Like it's, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Dr- drilling is important. And it's good that you have that mindset that you do go back and practice on your own. A lot of people don't drill enough. Mm. And that's another common question I get asked is like, how do I get my combos to come out naturally? You got to drill. People mm. just want to spar. You got to drill. Yeah, drill, yeah, drill, yeah. Drill. It's just that, that that constant exposure is really important, um, which I didn't really think about either. You mm-hmm. know, like I said, eventually the blinking stopped. Eventually, I wasn't so scared to let go of the cross. Right, hesitant. Right, and I was talking to very briefly with uh, Nick the ear, and he was saying like we were saying how we go through phases. So like one month we'll we'll be throwing like these go to combos, and the next month we start doing these, and then third month we do this, and then and then uh, I see someone else do a combo that I did three months ago. And I'm like. I used to do that all the time, but I just stopped doing it. Yeah. And it's because I happen to drill different things and they, it just changes. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the cool part of being a martial artist, like the journey of constantly growing and learning. And it's, and it's fucking endless because number one, the sport continues to evolve. And even if the evolution wasn't there, there's already so many different modalities that you could really learn from. And people, the cool thing is when you start to you know develop your own style, that's where I feel like, some of the most successful fighters are like they they're unique. I agree. And and that's actually very aligned with the way I think. So say I didn't have a channel because I treat my channel as my martial arts journal. I vlog my training. Um, I learn a new move. I go and try it. Hmm. I get my failed attempts, my successful attempts. And if I didn't, you know, if I didn't capture these combinations, then I would be more hesitant to move on with different techniques. 
because now, oh, what if I forget those? But like now it's like, it's like a journal, right? Like I collect, I collect, I collect sparring footage at different gyms. I collect techniques that I landed in sparring. I collect me getting my ass kicked. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's a journal. So I think a lot of people who, you know, if anyone watching this is looking to start their own channel or their martial arts journal journey or on their channel, they should treat it like a journal. Mm. Like people have diaries where they they write down what happened that day for me instead of writing down, hey, today I landed the hook. You could so see it. Could just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's 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 the great thing is, is constant growth and, you know, not being afraid to look at the shit that you just suck at. That's that's really, really important. And, you know, we live in a world where the highlight reel is the best reel and people delete the shit that they don't like to see. It's like, dude, the part where you're fucked up matters the most. It's yeah. like, because if if that's not happening for you, you know, the, were you perfect? Like, it's fucking impossible. I can't, I can't wait to look back at the uh, sparring footage from yesterday. Ron school thing, I'm going to get you next time. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> but that's cool though. Like, I still find it so funny. Because <laughs> I, like, I was like, how is Ron? <laughs> that's the first thing you I know asked. what's funny? That's, that's the first thing Bart asked me too. He just messaged me, messaged me this morning. How is Sparring with Ron? I'm like, he literally kicked my ass. <laughs> to be fair, I didn't have the cardio, but he did kick my ass. <laughs> but I just, that's the first thing I wanted to ask. I was like, oh, what's Ron like? <laughs> you know, there's always so many stories about him. You know, I, I, it's just so funny because I never believed him. I never believed him. I mean, this guy's always smiling. He's like, that's what I mean, right? <laughs> just like this all the time, you know? <laughs> well, guys, uh, that wraps up this episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, Jeff's story. You can find him, uh, MMA Shredded, uh, on YouTube, also on Instagram. If you guys want to learn from him, he has online courses and programs that you guys can pick up. I picked it up. Pretty fucking fun. Very unique. Very different. So give it a go. Try it out. If you've never tried a martial arts before, give it a go, man. I, I, I truly believe it's something that everybody should try. It's, it's difficult in a different way. And I think it's a very humbling type of sport. You know, um, you know, before we end, we were also talking about it's one of the most honest things that you can do because you could talk a big game as much as you want. But when you're on a mat, it has to show. So the honesty in the sport is what I really enjoy. And it kind of helped me realize, too, like where I'm at personally, because before this, I was like, Bro, I got hands. I could do this <laughs> shit. And then you see somebody with hands. And I'm like, oh, that guy's I, got hands. <laughs> I was like, the real hands. He has hands. <laughs> I do not. I live in this fantasy world where I think I can throw hands because I was just fighting other people that couldn't fight. So it was just two people just swinging at each other. I know, I know we're ending this, but it's, it's funny because, you know, I was telling you that uh, when I went to Oyama yesterday, the coach was like, can you give me an honest assession, uh, assessment of your skill level? Like, tell me. I'm like, I'm, I think I'm okay. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's better than me being like, hey, I'm a pro fighter. I'm, I'm with one championship. Then, then I get, I get my ass kicked. You know, it's better to be like, hey, I'm, I, I'm trained. I'm, I'm okay. I, I'm going to do my best. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, honestly, it's great. Well, uh, you guys can catch uh, Genius Brains every Sunday. Genius Brains. Genius Brain every Sunday at 12 p.m. Once again, go to MMA Shredded. Check out his uh, channel. And you guys probably know who the fuck he is. But, <laughs> and we'll see you all next time. Peace. Genius Brain listeners. This podcast is brought to you by Hero Bread. Listen. I've talked about Hero Bread a million times over, and I'm telling you right now, they have some of the best guilt-free bread I've ever had in my life, and I'm not just saying that. I'm talking about taste 
and texture-wise, you, you just can't beat it. Hero Bread has zero to one grams of net carbs, zero gram sugar, and is high in fiber. And guess what? Now it's made with heart-healthy olive oil for an added boost of healthy fats as well. I'm telling you right now, I made a BLT with this, and it was freaking delicious. If I, if I eat bread, this is the bread that I'm eating. You guys have to get this. I'm not just saying it's so freaking good. You could do whatever you want with this type of stuff. I mean, they even have burger breads, right? So if you want to make a, a fire ass burger, they got like tortillas too for their, if you, if you eat breakfast burritos as much as I do, dude, money. It's so freaking good. It's hard to say which one of my favorite stuff is just because like, if I'm going to make a wrap or I'm going to do any type of sandwich of any sort, I'm going to use Hero Bread because I get to eat without all the guilt and it's literally my favorite. So genius brain listeners, do not miss out on this. Make sure you get Hero Bread. You will not regret it. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order for their new recipe. Go to hero.co and use code genius10 at checkout. That's G-E-N-I-U-S-1-0 at hero.co. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, I'm Nolan Sykes, a host of Past Gas, the number one automotive podcast in the world. Every week, my co-hosts, James Pumphrey, Joe Weber, and I bring you some of our favorite stories from the hollowed halls of car history. From the amazing to the weird to the utterly unforgettable moments, we cover it all. Join us as we take a look at the wild stories and larger-than-life characters behind legendary cars and car makers. So if you love cars or just like a good story, check out Past Gas by Donut Media, the number one automotive podcast in the world. 